So, good evening, welcome, hello, especially if you're, if you're new, if you're just landed in town, uh, meeting a few people at the door, uh, your first time or second or third time here at Trinity, and you're so welcome to the kind of madness that is, is us, and as Tim said uh, so rightly um, earlier, and thank you guys for the way that you're, way you're leading, um, you know, we try to be family, that's who we want to be, so, uh, so, here we are. I, uh, I wonder what you think of the kind of um, time that we're, that we're in. Uh, what do you think about it? I mean, it, the seasons are changing, aren't they, obviously. Uh, the leaves are, are changing. Uh, I was walking in the park yesterday, Pitville Park, up to the pump room with Nikki and with our little dog, Alfie. And clearly the world was split between people like me who are still wearing their shorts and just a shirt and holding on to summer. Yeah? Yeah? But there was another group of people who were wearing Cheltenham kind of puffer jackets and, you know, they were wearing the complete Cheltenham autumn outfit. <laughs> the world was split and divided between those of us who were dancing into the sun bits out of the shade... <laughs> And those other people who were in their overcoats walking in the shady bit because it's cold. The seasons are changing. Maybe you're here tonight because you, uh, you're here to, to study. So it's, it's a big chapter change, isn't it? Maybe um, you've kind of gone into a different whole kind of year at school or college or different workplace or whatever. The seasons are changing. There's, there's all the stuff that's going on nationally, isn't there? So many, many things. It, it just is just this overwhelming kind of wave of stuff, isn't it? So there's obviously, obviously, as we mourn the late Queen and we're thinking about that. And for, well, every single one, I'm kind of guessing in this room, the only monarch that we've known, the only, only Queen that we've known. Not, none of us probably will see another queen because king, king, king to come. So it's it. And then there's those things which some of us maybe have noticed and sort of feel, but they're, you know, they're kind of the Ukraine, everything that's happening in Ukraine and any other week, you know, what's happening in Ukraine and the kind of new initiatives that there are would have been massive, massive news. There's, there's what's happened to a guy called Chris Carber, who some of you may have picked up a guy, this guy who got shot in, in London. And there's a desperate desire for clear communication. There's a desperate desire to, to know what really has, has happened there. His, his family are members of a, a black majority church in, in London, and they're crying out for other Christians to, to pray. Uh, you know, guys, I cannot imagine... Uh, I have a friend, actually, who's in the Met Police. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to every day go out with a gun like that and, and realise that that split-second decision, you know, could... And I'm not kind of trying to say anything more than we want justice, don't we? We want, we want a, certainly a capital city, in other words, people of every colour, every background can feel safe, can walk, whatever are the particular circumstances. I wonder, I wonder what, you, what you feel about stuff, this disruption. Um, 
I, and the world is not good at giving us advice. Have you kind of spotted that? I mean, the world doesn't really know what's going on, does it? I mean, um, at Tesco's, you can buy a tiramisu, um, you know, one of those desserts. And on the bottom of the box, it says, please do not turn this box over. Printed on the bottom of the box. I mean, that's, you know, not great. Um, in Sainsbury's, you can buy a, picket, a packet of peanuts that warns you the, this may contain nuts. Um, on a, on, in Sweden, you can buy a chainsaw that has the warning, do not attempt to stop this chain with your hands. Apparently, you can buy a kid's Superman outfit, which says, Please, wearing this garment will not enable your child to fly. You know, can you imagine parents launching their kids off high places, wearing this? We... Also, if we're honest, Tim said this this morning when he was speaking. Um, the honest truth is we don't know the answers probably either in, in ourselves. And we need a big dose of humility, don't we? That, that we're also in this world, we're caught up in so many things. The, the things maybe we felt certain about, I felt certain about, maybe you have felt certain about, they're, they're changing. However... However, but we know the one who does know the answer to every question. We, we may feel to different degrees a bit lost, a bit unsure about what this year is going to look like, what it's going to mean to be doing this course or to be living in this place or to, to go into this next season. We may be thinking about economics, we may be thinking about fuel bills, we may be thinking about Ukraine, we may be just trying to work out the whole of the rest of our lives because frankly we've got too much choice. And we may feel adrift. We may feel, I don't know how to make sense of this stuff either. And I'm in this world that has all this confusion and this really bad advice. But the good news is, and I hope you know it, and maybe you're here because, you know, you don't know God very well, but you'd love to know him more. The truth is that God does know the answers. God is not surprised by the stuff that surprises us. God is not confused by the things that confuse us. God is not sitting there in heaven, scratching his head, going, oh, I don't know what to do. That's the good news. And we're, we're here thinking about what does it mean this month as we kick off this new season to keep God at the centre of everything, to keep God, the one who does know the answers to our questions, at the centre of everything. Is God at the centre of your, of your lives? Because the, the, this is the deal. Paul writing to um, the church at Ephesus. We're going to be um, following through the book of Ephesians in October and November. And there's opportunities to join a study group if you want to join a study group. Or you'll be doing it in your life group if you're in a life group. Here, here's what he said. For we are God's handiwork. Ephesians 2.10. We're God's handiwork. We're created in Jesus to do good works. So God's handiwork, your God's handiwork, isn't that an amazing thing? You, you, we live in a world that's desperate to know about identity. Who am I? Who am I? Well, you are God's handiwork. 
And created in Christ Jesus, that's, uh, that's talking about the truth that the Bible talks about God as being three persons in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that God, Jesus, was there at the very beginning of creation. So we're created in Christ Jesus. But of course, we're created in Christ Jesus because we're also born again. So we were created at the beginning and we, you know, God made it and said it's good. But then sin comes in, rubbish comes in, stuff gets between us and God, stuff gets gets between therefore us and other people therefore God, it stuff gets in between us and being ourselves but Jesus Christ died on the cross for you for me and and he washed away the rubbish he absorbed the rubbish he paid the penalty for the rubbish so he's there at the beginning of creation and he is the one who recreates, who restores, who brings new life to us. We're born again, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good things. You want to know your identity, you want to know your purpose, to do good things which God has prepared in, our, in advance for us to do. God's not wringing his hand, saying, guys, I'd like to help you, whatever your response is to what's going on at the moment, whether it's just the small daily stuff, how am I going to pay the bill tomorrow, or if it's the big, massive narrative of what's going on in the whole world. God knows the answer to all of our questions. Breathe. If you're here tonight and you know you want this truth to be yours, then then God's saying yes to you, isn't he? God's invited you here and, and you just need to say yes to him. Those, those guys who are going to go in the water next week, we've got um, BJ in her wheelchair. We won't put the wheelchair in because apparently electrics and water don't go very well together. But BJ, there's um, four or five um, from our kids' church. There's three or four of our younger people all getting baptised in the in the morning and the evening, we've got Josh and we've got four, three other really nice people as well. And they're all going to go in. And they're not doing it because they're perfect. Meet Josh afterwards. They're, they're not doing it because they know everything. He knows quite a lot. But sorry, Josh, this is turning into a really abusive situation, isn't it? I do apologize, but not a lot. Um, they're doing it because they've got a small yes either for the first time or reaffirming to God's great big yes. And, and the way it works is that when we say our small human, little insignificant we might feel, yes, we're met with this wave of massive great big, the whole of God. Yes. Yes. On the cross, Jesus said yes. To wipe away all of the no, no, that we so often attempted to say to God. Anyone been to the queue? Anyone done the queue? No, you're all here, aren't you? Because otherwise you'd be queuing. I gather the McLeans were thinking about queuing. You didn't make it, did you? you? You followed the travel advice not to travel. Here's a picture. I think, I, think it, I think the queue 
is a metaphor, uh, a kind of picture for our age, isn't it? What's going on in the queue? Have you heard the story of the queue? Are you reading the story of the queue? How do you feel about the queue? Do you feel like you've missed out on going to the queue? We've all missed out, haven't we? Have you, you know, been watching on social media and, and news and stuff? Because clearly there's an honouring of the Queen that's going on through the queue. Clearly there's a recognising the loss of someone who's, who's special, someone who represented stability. Clearly some people are going to meet David Beckham in the queue. But there's more to the queue than meets the eye, isn't there? There's something going on with the queue and the queuing that is about this whole kind of, this world is changing and I'm unsure about how to make sense of things. I know I want to grab hold of something that the Queen represented. I want to grab hold of, it's, it's kind of non-religious people, maybe, to an extent, looking for a religious kind of experience. It's kind of... People who might not come in a church like this, who, who look and they see in the Queen and they look and see in their own lives, do we, are we doing this? We see this desire for more. We see this desire to make sense. And the queue somehow represents that. But they, they go queuing... They get there two or three minutes. Did you, hear, did you see the woman who did it seven times? On social media, someone said, she thinks it's Alton Towers. Um, you go through that room, I have no doubt about how amazing an experience it would be. I have no doubt. And please don't hear me saying anything than the desire I would have to honour the Queen. But what happens when they leave the other door? When they, when they go out? They, they've experienced this amazing community. They've, they've celebrated something, Tim used the correct terminology, for a sacrament. So the thing, the physical thing, represents something that's going on inside. It's a spiritual experience. But what happens after the queue? And if you're here tonight and a follower of Jesus, what would you bring to the queue if you joined it? If you happen not to be David Beckham. If you just happen to be you. Would you bring to the queue the same kind of questions and uncertainties? Or would you bring to the queue something about hope? Something about truly, as the Queen knew and believed, that death is not the end. That, that through the door is all of life. And it's not just life for the future. It's life for now. If we can just put the picture up, it's Justin Welby in this case. But here you are. Do you join the queue 
as just another person queuing through this amazing time in history, uncertain of what's going to happen when you get to the end of the 15 hours? Or do you join the queue wearing a spiritual high-vis jacket to walk alongside people and give them some messages of hope? That's chaplaincy. Do you walk alongside people and you say, you know what? Those tough questions are my tough questions as well. I'm not standing here arrogantly. I'm not standing here pretending. I'm not standing here because I'm a know-it-all. I'm not standing here because I'm religious. I'm not standing here because I'm perfect. I'm not standing here because I've got it all sorted. But I'm standing here wearing my high-vis spiritual jacket, my spiritual vest, the Holy Spirit, God with me, because as I walk with you, I can speak about a hope that lasts more than 15 hours and a few seconds. Because that's our calling as followers of Jesus. And that's what your friends need. Those guys you're going to be sitting at with school or college or uni or work tomorrow. If you're going to the school gate, that, that person, who man, woman, who stands slightly separate from all the other parents because they just don't quite fit in and they're a bit random and their family is a bit... They need you to step alongside wearing a spiritual high-vis jacket. Your workplace needs you to go in, not tomorrow, have a day off, but on Tuesday, needs you to go in as chaplain to your workplace. You, you, you'll be going in five minutes early because you'll be prayer walking all around. Wherever it is, whatever it is, here's the cue of life. Here's the people desperate to find meaning, desperate to find answers to their questions. And we know who to point them to. Here are some of the last words that, that Jesus said when he was on earth. John 15, it's what's called the farewell discourse. It's the kind of summing up, the putting together. Here's some scripture, it's going to come on the screens. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So you've got a choice, he's saying to his followers. You can remain close to me, you can be close to me, or you can go off in a different direction. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. So this stuff actually works itself out in daily choices. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, not because I'm a killjoy. I've told you this, not because I want to ruin your life. I've told you this, not because I want you to be a religious nutter. I've told you this, not because I'm a spoil sport. I've told you this, because, not because I want you to have less, but because I want you to have it all. My joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. goes on, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Don't just join the queue of life and walk with the herd. Do, be something different. Love other people as I have loved you. Greater love has no, that one, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's radical. 
This is the Jesus who went to the cross. We're called as followers in the queue of life to walk away of sacrifice, to put our own needs down and put other needs first. You are my friends, says Jesus. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. We're not doing this out of duty. We're not doing this because we have to do it. We're not doing it because we're scared. We're not doing this because some bloke who should be six foot three but is actually four foot nothing is saying to you to do it. We're doing it because Jesus says, I don't call you servants. Because if you were my servant, you wouldn't know my master, your master's business. You wouldn't know what Jesus is about. You wouldn't know his cue chaplaincy. You wouldn't know what the spiritual high-vis jacket looks like. He says, instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and join queues in the middle of the night and walk with people and change their lives. Or in other words, bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Paul writing to another bunch of early Christians, Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 11 said this. Therefore, he said, and he's, the, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you, you look what's come before. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what God has done for us, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in fact you're, you're doing. Encourage one another. Hope not fear. We're in a world that is being driven by fear. You guys, if you go on social media, you're going to get a ton, a tsunami of fear. If you watch the news too much, you're going to get an overwhelming wave of fear. If you spend all of your time with other people and not with Christians, you're just going to get assailed by fear. That's not being down on people, that's just being real. If you listen to the world, you're going to listen to a message of fear. If you keep close to God, you're going to hear hope. You're going to have hope. You need it, I need it, your friends need it, your families need it, your the queue needs it. Building each other up, forgiveness. Most powerful thing that God gives us is the ability to say, I choose to not hold this thing against you. Humanly, I could. Humanly, I could think that I'm going to keep you on the line, keep you on the hook. You've hurt me so much, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to make you know how much you've hurt me by not forgiving you. God doesn't say, pretend a bad thing's become a good thing. God doesn't say, There'll be no judgment of wrong things because there will. Because one day everyone in the queue will be queuing to stand before the Lord, the King. But he does say, you guys, my followers, those who want to keep me at the centre, you don't have to be ruled by rubbish that has happened to you. You don't need to be on anyone's hook any longer. You can choose to forgive. Kindness, patience, gentleness, generosity. These are the radical ways of the kingdom. 
teacher was talking to a bunch of kids and said, you know, if you, uh, if you repeat something 20 times and you really desire it with your heart, repeat it 20 times, desire it with your heart, then it will become yours, it will become part of your life. Little voice at the back of the room was going, Porsche, 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 Porsche. I said to Cheryl, what's your favourite car? She said Land Rover Defender. There's a truth, though. I can't guarantee you Porsches or Land Rover Defenders. Can't even guarantee that Arsenal will still be top of the table at the end of the season. Please, God, please, God, Arsenal, Arsenal. What I can absolutely promise you is that anything that I'm saying, if the Lord is kind of highlighting it for you tonight, if the Lord is saying, yes, this is a moment where I'm saying to you, join the metaphorical queue of life, wearing a metaphorical high-vis spiritual jacket that speaks of hope. If the Lord is saying anything to you about forgiveness or kindness or gentleness, if the Lord is saying anything to you about he wants you, because you're you, not despite you being you, but because you're you, to be his most radical ambassador for this message of hope that goes beyond a 15-hour queue and a few minutes in one room, however special that person was, then it will only happen if you make some choices and you do some things daily, weekly, in seasons. The, the Christians down the centuries, followers of Jesus, have called this, as you know, and I hope I'm boring on it because it means you might be hearing it, a rule of life. Sometimes people talk about it, a, a trellis, a wooden trellis for life. Actually, the Latin is much more accurately the kind of stake that, that holds up vines. But the point is the thing, the framework, holds up and, 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 and allows growth. What's the, what's the framework of your life? You've already got one. You've already got a personal rule of life. You've already got habits. It is perfectly designed to produce whatever you've got in your life now. If you want exactly what you've got now in your life, don't change a thing, please. Because the way you're living, the habits you've got, are doing a perfect job at producing whatever you've got going on now. It's not a straitjacket that God calls us to. It's not, you do this and you'll get a bit more of my love. He can't love us anymore. But God is saying, what's the kind of framework? What's the, what are the habits that you've got? If you want to join this queue of life and you want to bring something different, a message of hope, if you're here tonight and you don't want to be ruled by fear, but you want to be ruled by hope, you want to be led in hope, then there'll be some patterns, there'll be some habits. Here's a slide with, with some common ones on them, like the core of what we would call a rule of life. The Bible, Sabbath, setting apart time. I was talking about that a couple of weeks. It's an issue of trust. Do you trust God enough not to work all of the time? Your emotional health, how you're investing in your emotional health, that's usually about the way you invest in relationships. Silence and solitude, thank you guys for leading us that in tonight. But do you ever have any time in your life where there's not noise? Simplifying, that's a key practice, a Christian practice. How you relate to your family, whatever that means for you. Married, you're married. Single, you're single. Do you, do you live out of your singleness? Do you live 
what are your close relationships? Prayer, play. God wants us to play. God wants us to have a good time. God wants us to enjoy life. What are your habits about that area? Friends, reading or study, physical care, serving. These are like the common things that Christians, followers of Jesus, down the ages have used to keep God at the centre of everything. To, to receive God's love and to share God's love. We, we, we call it here a rule of life. We put on the leaflets that are available at the back. We have four headings, as you know, we're working our way through them in September. We did prayer and scripture. We talked a bit about rest last week. Relationships is what we're kind of really talking about tonight. And work and service. And what we, what we encourage, because it's the, it's the wisdom down the ages that have been passed on by followers of Jesus in every setting, in every situation that you can imagine, is, is just do one small thing. Rule one, take a small step. Rule two, when you don't know what to do next, go back to rule one. Daily choices. So what does that look like for you in your, in your relationships as you walk along? Here's another picture of that cue. Just imagine you're Justin Welby. The women here, you need to imagine someone else. Just, okay, he's talking to this guy. Who, who are you walking alongside in the queue of life? Close your eyes if it doesn't help, but if it does help, just, just look at that picture a moment. And, and what habits might God say, if you just do this small thing, if it helps, write it down on a, a bit of paper and stick it on something, put it in your Bible. Every now and again, because people are really kind and people drop off boxes of chocolates at the staff offices where we are. Actually, secret, I think it's Marion, our amazing ops manager, who brings them in. But sometimes I find a chocolate on my desk. I've eaten yours already. Yeah. Never quick enough. Just get the habit of coming in earlier, Tim. Such a simple act of kindness. But just makes me smile it, it's it's such a tiny small I was thinking about someone today who I was at theological college with and training with and I made a bit of a commitment to him to kind of walk with him and I, I just realized I, I haven't contacted him for oh, I'm so embarrassed it, it, it would be at least five or six months you know, I shared two of the most important, significant years of my life at Vicar Factory with him. And, you know, if I did something about that, if I was to just send that small message. I know I keep going on about it, but, but you know, I've, I've seen it and witnessed it. If to, it not tomorrow, <laughs> Tuesday. In my experience, every school gate has some some parents and carers who are less 
able to be with the cool ones. I say that as a man who used to take my kids a long time ago and it was mainly women and I was clearly not the cool one. What about if you just did that simple act of kindness and go and stood with them? Time. Time is our greatest resource, isn't it, in so many ways? What does it mean just to stop? You see how many old people there are sitting on benches? You see how many people, just, just consider how many people you think to yourself, it goes through your mind, well, if it doesn't go through yours, you're better than me, it does mine. You just think, ah, oh, take a bit too much time. <laughs> just. What an amazing, radical thing to do, to say, I'm going to put that person's interest before my own. I mean, I've already talked about the power of forgiveness and, you know, God doesn't deal in guilt. Please don't let me deal in guilt. But if you, if you want to radically change something, find a way to choose to forgive somebody is as powerful as it gets in my experience. Who could you give a word of hope to? There's something amazingly powerful, aren't there, about letters. Now, most of you in the room are kind of going, Andrew, I've never written a letter in my life. But there's a few of us in the room old enough to know this thing where you got a pen and you, yeah? Send someone a card? Write them a letter? I've forgotten about you. I'm really honest. Uh, you know, I have to confess, I've forgotten about you. But here's, I'm just writing to say thank you. In the early September, I went back to the place where I became a Christian when I was 13 years old. And the guy who led me to the law was called, was called Barnaby. And there was another guy called Jamie. And when I was talking to a couple of old ladies, they actually obviously still have contact with the Jamie. And I really pray that I will turn this good intention to action, that I'll send them a card saying, here I am. Thank you that when I was 13, you prayed with me. I wonder how they'll feel... <laughs> if I actually pull my finger out and do that. I wonder how I'd feel if I did it every week. Not to them, because that would be random and I'd get done for stalking. But if I thought of one person each week to send a card to who's done something amazing in my life, I'm so old that would last me until the rest. <laughs> how would you feel if you got a card like that? Who are you in the queue with? You just joining in? Here's a slide. Are you bringing God's love to your relationships or mine? Are you nurturing the relationships which bring you joy? Are you limiting the ones which drain or distract you? It'll be both and. Are you investing in any relationships that God is calling you to invest in now? Are you keeping God at the centre in a crazy world? Are you keeping hope at the centre of who you are by receiving God's love and sharing God's love? 
through your habits, your daily habits. Rule one, take one small step. Rule two, when you don't want, know what to do next, return to rule one.